welcome to rhetoric Orama, a podcast about all things rhetoric. Here are your hosts, Dr. David R. Dewberry and Dr. Tim, as seen on TV, McGee. I'm Dave. And I'm Tim. In this episode, we dip into the fallacy files to discuss errors in reasoning. Today, we focus on the power and the mystery of the post hoc ergo propter hoc fallacy, which is Latin for after this, therefore, because of this. Sorta. And here I always thought it was called post hoc ergo poppycock. Tim, I'm beginning to think that you're not quite the Latinist that I thought you were. So let's try to redeem ourselves and give some good untranslated Latin or Greek to get us started. Aliquando dormitat homerus. I'll have to take your word for that one there, Tim. All right. Since this is just our third episode of the Fallacy Files, we should probably remind folks uh, what a fallacy is. A fallacy is one of two kinds of wrong argument. Former fallacies, formal fallacies, are ones that break the fairly strict rules of logic. Informal fallacies are ones that might not actually violate a rule of logic, but are unsound for some other reason. That sounds about right, Tim. Uh, And our our fallacy today is the post hoc ergo propter hoc. So is this a formal fallacy or an informal fallacy? I think it's a good question, Tim. And one uh, we ought to answer before we head out for our delicious cheeseburgers Um, So I would say the post hoc fallacy occurs when someone asserts a casual connection between two events uh, simply simply because the second event uh, follows the first one. Okay, but you said a casual connection. I think you meant a causal connection. Yeah, that's what I meant. I think you're implying something (laughs) there. Yeah, causal connection. There you go. All right. Sort of like when the price of gas goes up after a huge refinery blows up. No, I would, I would say that that sequence may, in fact, be a, a pretty good example of a causal, right? Causal reasoning. Uh, after the refinery blows up, gas supply is decreased while the demand stays constant. So in a free market, I would think uh, those with gas to sell will simply raise the price. Well, then, why don't you give us an example of a post hoc fallacy, Dave? All right, let's try this one. So let's say a refinery blows up uh, right after the employees joined the union and won a new contract. Maybe those commies sabotaged the refinery. Oh, that makes sense, Tim. Uh, actually, it doesn't make any sense at all, unless you realize we wrote this before the uh, World War III started. <laughs> uh, but if the employees got the contract they fought for, they would not want the uh, refinery shut down at all. Give me a couple more examples. I can handle that. Let's say uh, crime increased after uh, prayer was banned in public schools. Uh, children were diagnosed with autism after they had gotten vaccinated. Uh, marijuana is a gateway drug because most heroin addicts smoked pot before they became junkies. I get the first two, but I don't follow why pot is not a gateway drug. Well, just because most people who become addicted to heroin had used marijuana before that, it doesn't establish any causal huh, relation between the earlier and the later event, latter event, I should say. Uh, long before uh, any of those addicts had tried marijuana, they had tried their mother's milk. Maybe milk, Tim, is the gateway drug. Ah, now I get it. And I guess the fact that I was a formula baby probably explains why I never became a junkie. I'm just, I'm delicately saying, I'm, I'm not sure you quite get it yet, but we can move on. So you're saying that people jump to the post hoc fallacy because correlation seems to suggest causation. Now you're talking, Tim. Uh, one of the most oft repeated lines in science and social science classes is correlation does not equal causation. 
You can say that again. Okay. In fact, one of the most often repeated lines in science and social sciences correlation does not equal causation. Okay. In fact, I've heard some folks say even causation doesn't equal causation. That makes no sense, Tim. It might if you were a human. Tim, you're using those words again. I don't know what they are. Okay. There are some who argue that causation, like angels and unicorns, is a name that refers to no real thing. Yes, there is sequence, but when we assert causation, we're merely giving another name to sequence, and it is not a name that really adds anything meaningful. I hope that, uh, I hope that none who argue that way are allowed into a classroom. Your hopes are dashed, Dave. They let some of those folks teach philosophy. Oh, okay. Well, they, they, no worries then there. Uh, that department can be shut down the next round of budget cuts, if they haven't already. So, will it be fair to say that Humean skepticism will not be taught because the philosophy department will be shut? Now, you know, Tim, that might be a pretty tight causal argument. But there's still the English department, you know. You know, as Jesus said, the poor will always be with us. I think we're drifting, Dave. Back to post-hoc. Anything more to add? I, yeah, yeah, certainly. Uh, so the post-hoc fallacy has a cousin, cum hoc ergo propter hoc, which translates uh, as with this, therefore, because of this. In that case, uh, sequence is ignored, but causality is imagined because one thing shows up with another thing, sort of like a sign. Um, I guess you could say sort of like the way fries and a Coke just show up with the Big Mac in the combo meal. Anything else? Well, you could also get the apple pie. I'd have a delicious apple pie there. But I guess back to the question of whether the post-talk is a formal or informal fallacy. Uh, I think it's generally informal, but it can involve a formal fallacy if you run it backwards. You lost me, Dave. Mm, I will feed you. Uh, so the post-talk has this structure. A occurred, then B occurred. Therefore, A caused B. Now, if B is something I don't want... I could conclude that I should avoid A so I don't experience B. This is engaging, I think, in the formal fallacy of denying the antecedent. And I think we can avoid B by avoiding A. But since there really was no causal connection between A and B, avoiding A might have no impact on the presence or absence of B. That's genius, Dave. I sure hope the uh, the audience thinks so, Tim. Otherwise, I guess they could rewind and listen to that again, right? But I but flattery will get you nowhere, Tim. Not true, Dave. Whenever I flatter you enough, you end up springing for the cheeseburgers. Uh, speaking of, uh, who's paying for this stuff uh, this episode, Tim? Who's our sponsor? Today's episode is sponsored by the Sycophants Phrasebook, a compendium of tried and true bits of flattery designed to help aspiring toadies kip up to kiss up to their superiors. Unlike existing handbooks of praise for all occasions, this guide gives proven metrics to determine just what sort of compliment you should give, depending upon how much higher up than you is the butt you are trying to kiss. The chapter Praise for Middle Managers has a completely different collection of compliments than you will find in Fawning to CEOs. Whoever said flattery will get you nowhere had no idea how the real world really works. That's the Sycophants Phrasebook, which can be found online or in a real bookstore if you can actually find one. And I'm David R. Dewberry, and that's Tim as seen on TV McGee. We're professors of communication, and this has been rhetoric rama a podcast about all things rhetoric. If you have any questions or are looking for more information, feel free to contact us or consult your local library.